Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about faith. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know about what's happening at our church this summer. Due to COVID-19 and everything surrounding it, our services have moved outside. God has blessed our church with an incredible seven acres in North Wilsonville, and someday we'll have a building there. But in the meantime, it's a perfect solution for us to have church during all that's going on in our world. We would love to have you join us, and so if you want the information about what our services look like this summer, you can go to wilsonville.church slash property gathering. That's wilsonville.church slash property gathering. We would love for you to join us for one of these outdoor services. They're going to be fun. They're going to be different. It's going to be an exciting summer. And so we hope that you'll consider joining us. We'd love to meet you in person. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon. I really do hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. This summer has felt kind of like like uh, a game of survival for pastors, I think. And uh, like, if you can get to the end, then maybe you'll still have a job. Uh, I, I was, we watched Flores Lava recently on Netflix, which I give a huge thumbs up to. If you haven't seen it already, it's hilarious. Uh, watching people try to jump across slimy objects to get safely to the other side. But, but I've kind of seen parallels in my own life recently. And, uh, you know, you just start with uh, basically a, a three-day turnaround for us at the beginning of this as a church where it was like, you know, we were having church on a Sunday and thinking life was going on in a normal way. And, and then on Friday, we're like, oh, well, we have nowhere to have church and we need to get it online. And we were already doing it online, but, but where are we going to get it online? And, and then we had, uh, you know, two weeks where we were live streaming from Grace Chapel's office. And, uh, and that was a great situation for us. And then uh, my dad, who was there to do the, the announcements, uh, he got a fever uh, like right in there. And so then we immediately were like, well, we're going to record all this from home for a while. So we're trying to learn how to do all that. Uh, and, and then uh, you add in that we've just been on this property where at certain times it's felt like a real game of survival. I mean, between the bees and the poison oak and my son falling onto a cinder block and the wind that knocks over our paintings every week. And I mean, it's just, it's like, and watching your step, we have like 30 watch your step signs because it's uneven. And, uh, and, and so it's kind of like been difficult in that. And you add to that, 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 that this, you know, <laughs> that politics right now kind of feel like a giant you know, floor is lava game. Like you just don't want to say the wrong thing or, or, uh, you're going to just take off half of your church and, and you're going to, you know, lose people. And so it's been, it's been wild and, and crazy to say the least. Uh, and, and I, I've said throughout that I feel really good that you're on my team. This church is on my team because a lot of pastors are, are really struggling with what's going on. But it, but, but all that I think really connects to what we're going to see today and that, Sometimes when we pray about things and we don't see the answers we want, it can be really discouraging. Uh, I preached on this, this passage I'm, I'm going to preach on in, here in a minute, uh, I don't know, a few years ago. And I, at the beginning, I quoted somebody's Facebook post, and I think it's worth quoting again. Uh, I don't know who it was now. At the time, I left it anonymous in my sermon. But, uh, but somebody that I know that apparently is not a Christian said this, Yesterday was the National Day of Prayer. Today must be the national day of disappointment. Let it sink in for a second. You see what they're saying there, that often when we pray and we just don't see the results that we want and it leaves us feeling disappointed. Now, I think obviously the theology behind that statement is 
is wrong and God doesn't work in our time frame often and, and the fact that he says yes and no, we can forget and think if he says no to us, then he didn't answer us at all. But, but we totally feel what this person posted. Uh, that a lot of times when we pray, we end up disappointed with the answers that we get. I know that right now I can feel like that, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, a, a lot of ways, more ways than you can know. I can feel that, uh, that, that like I'm praying, you know, just from the beginning of this, I've said, God, let this pandemic end. Let it be over. Let us go back to normal life. And, and here we are, you know, excited that the parks opened up yesterday in Wilsonville, like these little baby steps that, that for me, it's not what I was praying for. I was just praying that, you know, COVID-19 would end and we'd be done with it and all of that. And I think that I'm not alone in seeing really clearly right now, but just in general in life we see this, that oftentimes it's discouraging when it feels like our prayers aren't being answered. And the longer it goes on, the more discouraging it becomes. And today we're not going to see like the happiest response to that kind of feeling. It's not going to be a sermon that says, well, here's you know why you can feel okay about that. We'll cover a little bit of that. But what we're going to see instead is, is just in the midst of all of that, there's this truth that we need to hold dearly to. There's this truth that we need to, to know and understand and then, and then to cling to. And it's simply this, that perseverant prayer is a key to unfailing faith. And unfailing faith is a key to perseverant, persevering prayer. Persevering prayer is key to an unfailing faith. And at the same time, an unfailing faith is key to persevering prayer. Prayer and faith go together. They're inseparable. They're inseparable things. Now listen to this. This is the second to last story. I think this is really important. Second to last story on this topic of faith. And as I preach this morning, you're going to say, well, wait, this feels like it's all about prayer. And so you'll have to stay with me until the very end to see how this connects to our faith because of what Jesus says at the end of the story. But it's going to seem like it's all about prayer. And that is because of what I've just said, that persevering faith is absolutely essential. It's key to us having an unfailing faith. And here's how the story starts in Luke 18, 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Have you ever looked just before this, the context of this is that Jesus has just talked about the fact that someday he will no longer be present on earth with the disciples. And he's encouraged that, that he's going to come back but he's going to come back, this isn't from there, but like a thief in the night. It's going to happen abruptly. It's going to happen when nobody knows. And the idea here is that the disciples, when he is gone, when they're no longer walking around with him on earth, they should continue to live a life of faith. They should continue to be faithful to Jesus even when he is not physically present with them. So Jesus is talking about that and then he begins this parable that we'll see in a minute. And it's interesting, one of the most interesting parts about this parable in particular is that Luke actually tells us why Jesus offered this parable to the listeners. He says it is to help them know, help us know how we should pray and not give up. Uh, most of Jesus' parables you have to work a little bit to figure out exactly what he was trying to teach. I think that's part of the brilliance of the parables. But here, Luke just says outright, this is why Jesus offered this parable was to show us that we should always pray 
and we should never give up. Now, let's just be clear before we jump into the parable. When it, when it says always, that doesn't mean 24-7. It doesn't mean that, that that's all you do. It doesn't mean that you become a monk and you just pray all day every day. It's more in line with these other things that we see in scripture. For example, 1 Thessalonians 5:17, pray without ceasing or Romans 12:12, 12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. In Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You can kind of see that there's this idea in Scripture, and that is, I've said it way before that that we shouldn't be people who pray but we should instead be people of prayer prayer should permeate our entire lives there's nothing that we shouldn't pray about uh, and we should make it a consistent and constant part of our lives we should pray consistently and constantly throughout our days throughout our weeks throughout our months and throughout our lives prayer is to permeate the christian life and the christian lifestyle and the other part of this, so this is what Jesus says, that's hard, right? Like immediately go, wow, like I struggle to pray five minutes a day. You know, I, tr- I struggle to wake up a little bit earlier to pray. And so the other part of this pra- parable on top of that is to say, hey, in that effort to be a person who prays consistently and constantly, you should never give up. You should never give up. The Greek word that translates give up is, can be defined as to turn out a coward that is to say, to lose one's courage. Other translations uh, translated as to lose heart. Now, just two things. First of all, I feel like a lot of us are there right now. We're just losing heart. And we've talked about that in the series. I'm not trying to preach a COVID-19 sermon series. This is about faith. But, but it surely connects to a lot of the things that we're feeling and, and seeing in our world today. And I, I think a lot of us have just come to a place where we've lost heart, we're discouraged, we're running out of energy, maybe we're, we're turning into cowards in some way because, because we just feel like we had courage and we were fighting even in prayer and we're just, we've just kind of hit the end of that rope. And, and so I think a lot of us are, are simply there. But I also think as I, as I read that definition and see that other translation to lose heart, uh, to become a coward, I think that it, that it reminds us that prayer is hard and, and that it takes some level of, of resolve, of grit, of toughness to continue uh, to do it. When I preached on this passage, I went back and listened to it. And one of the things I made a big deal out of, and I don't want to make a big deal out of it uh, as much today as I did then. But, but one of the things that we see is that women constantly outpray men. And I think that's a travesty, especially because, and I'm not saying women aren't tough or anything like that, but men often pride themselves in being tough. And maybe when we look at our prayer lives, we we can find that we're not as tough as we claim to be if we don't pray consistently and constantly. There is a, a toughness that is required to pray because prayer is hard. And as I've talked about in this series already, one of the things that we sometimes do is we look for magic bullets. We think, if I have some great experience, then I'll become a greater person of prayer. But here, just in this language, we see that, that maybe part of it is that we're just not tough enough to continue to pray constantly and consistently when it is hard to pray constantly and consistently when we are discouraged or losing heart. 
So here's the parable, Luke 18, 2 through 5. This is where it starts. Jesus said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, the first thing that's important to see is that, that really Jesus is trying to set up a contrast between this judge's character and the character and nature of God. Remember, this is a parable. It's not like Jesus is looking at a specific judge and just describing them. He's giving us these details about this judge in order to, to contrast it with the character and nature of God. This judge, just in a nutshell, does not care about people and he doesn't care about what God thinks. He doesn't care about God or people. He doesn't care about following the rules, uh, the laws of God, the tenets of God, and he doesn't care about people. This judge is not godly in any way, and that stands in stark contrast with God, who is godly in every way by definition. Uh, this judge does not care one bit about people, and he does not care about God. God cares desperately. This is such a contrast. God cares desperately about us. So much so, the story that we, that are Christians, we know this, that so much so that he came from heaven and earth to die for our sins. He cared about us that much. And so the contrast cannot be, you know, starker here. Like there's this judge who doesn't care about people and there's this God that we know of who desperately loves all people. And then there's this widow. And widows were seen in Jesus' time as the most vulnerable people in society, right along with orphans and immigrants. It was widows, orphans, and immigrants. You can read throughout scripture and you see that God especially makes sure that widows, orphans, and immigrants are taken care of, that people uh, treat them fairly, that people treat them kindly, and it's because they are and they were the most vulnerable people in a society. So God goes out of his way to make sure that his people take care of those people. And here is one of those people, a widow, and she's totally in a vulnerable situation because of her situation in society. And she apparently has a problem with some enemy, some adversary. Some people say that she's looking for just her legal rights to be taken care of against this enemy of hers. And she comes to this judge and apparently this judge in this parable were meant to see that he just says no. Like, I don't, I'm not going to go out of my way. I'm not going to try in order to give you the justice that you deserve. Because frankly, even though God has told me to do it, and even though it seems like the caring, loving thing to do, this judge does not care. He doesn't care. It's like, why am I going to help you? Why am I going to go out of my way to help you? Why am I going to do anything for you when I don't care? I just don't care. The NASB says that this woman is just looking for legal protection from her opponent, and this judge is not going to lift a finger in order to make that happen because he doesn't fear God and he does not love people. He doesn't love people. And so this widow just keeps coming to him for some time. I don't want to 
be too redundant, but again, I think that so many of us are there in our prayers right now. We've been coming to God for some time. It might be this coronavirus stuff. It might be for the violence in Portland where we're over 90 days now. It might be uh, that something personal and private that you've been praying about and, and you've been coming to God for some time. And, and you know, that, that's such a, uh, just a generic phrase. But when you say it, if you have something in your heads that you've been praying about, then you kind of feel the weight of it, right? Like I've been praying about this for some time now, and it just seems like God isn't doing anything about it. And remember, the point here is to be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. And that is made clear in what the judge says. He said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. So there's a few things that I think are really important in this response here. And the first is that she just keeps bothering him. I think in order to be a person that prays in the way that God wants us to pray, to be a constant and consistent prayer, to be a uh, a person of prayer, we need to pray in a way that seems like we're just not taking no for an answer and we keep, we continue to bother God, to keep coming to him day after day with the same request if we, if we need to. I, I would say it this way, don't take no for an answer from God until it's clear that there's no, no more chance that he can say yes. I, I think that uh, we who have been around kids at all, we, we absolutely have like the best the best picture of what it means to pray like this. Uh, my kids can ask me for anything, and if I say no, it's, it actually doesn't matter at all if I say no. If I say no 35 times, it doesn't matter if I say no 35 times because the, you know, you know, if you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you've been around kids, if you ever met a kid and they've asked you for something, they're just gonna keep coming to you. Until like, I'm just giving you an example. I don't think I've ever actually done this. But like if your kid wants candy and, and you have candy and, and the kid keeps, they're gonna keep coming to you until you eat the candy bar right in front of them and they go, oh, I guess we don't have candy anymore. It's like, can I have that candy? Can I have that candy? No, 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 no. And then you like, that's when the kid will stop asking because they know the candy's gone. And our prayers should reflect that. God, I'm just gonna keep coming to you until I can tell that there's no way. I want to give you a couple examples in, in my life. Um, I preached uh, on uh, something many years ago, and it convicted me. I don't remember what now, uh, but it convicted me that I needed to, in, in this sermon series that I was doing, I needed to ask God for a free car. Uh, I, and so I started praying for a free car. And I don't know if we had one car at the time or what, but I started praying for a free car. And I actually prayed for a free car for an entire year. And then one day, uh, a family friend called me and said, they knew nothing about this prayer, no knowledge that I needed a car. And they said, hey, we have this van uh, and we want to give it to you you need a car? It was like that. I was like, it's funny you should ask because I've been praying for this for a whole year and I just kept going. So there's one example, but another example in my life is there are people that I've been praying to know Jesus as their savior for, for years, for years. And, and just recently in the last year and a half, I have seen God 
working and starting to do something. For years, it's like there's no answer at all from heaven. It's like, hey, do you actually hear that I'm praying these things? I feel like this is a good prayer, like I'm trying, God. I'm, I, you know, it's almost every night, unless I forget and fall asleep or whatever, but it's almost every night, and I'm, I'm praying, and like for years. It's like God didn't hear me. But lately, I've just seen him chipping away, not maybe saying yes in the fastest and simplest way, but starting to chip away, starting to do some work, starting to move those prayers towards a yes answer. And I am convinced in both of these stories that part of the reason God said yes is that I just kept bothering him. I just kept coming to him in prayer. This, this other thing that's really important uh, is that, that he, it's so weird. It's so weird. This judge who has all the power, right? And then there's this widow who is vulnerable, totally vulnerable. Uh, but he says, I'll say yes to her request because I don't, I don't want her to come and attack me. Like that's, that's so weird, right? And as we're learning this thing about prayer here, this parable is to teach us that we should always pray and we should never give up. Man, I really think that that word attack is important. Uh, the word literally refers to giving somebody a black eye or a mark under the eye. And to me, it demonstrates something about the passion in which we are to pray, the passion in which we are to keep bothering God with our prayers. I've been big on this for many years. I, I uh, uh, We come from a tradition at this church where where prayer really feels like this thing we ought to do but doesn't really matter. I mean, I, I think a lot of people in our tradition might not like me saying it that way, but, but I think that's an, an accurate way to describe it. We believe in the power of prayer, but it doesn't really feel like it oftentimes. And, and I think as I read scripture that it, that it pretty clearly demonstrates to me that it's important that we don't just pray like it's a checklist item, but we pray with some passion and intensity. Now, when I say that, I know a lot of you think of emotion, and, and I don't, I, I, some of you, if you prayed emotionally, I would be like, who are you? Like this, you're just not emotional, right? So when I say to pray passionately, I, I don't mean that you're just being emotive in your prayers, but I do mean that something in your heart is representing that you believe this to be a serious and weighty and important thing that does move the hand that moves the world. I think that when we read this here in this guy, I mean, it's demonstration of prayer, right? He's like, wow, the way she's coming to me and approaching me, it seems like she's going to punch me in the face if I don't say yes to her. I, I feel like when we approach the throne of God, that we should at least have some weight in our souls about the things we're asking him to do. And we should pray with, with some intensity, if I can use a word, maybe from my sports background. We should pray with some intensity. Uh, one, another thing, can I just hit on another thing that really bothers me really quickly and then I'll move on. But, but one of the reasons I don't think we pray with a ton of passion and one of the reasons that I don't think we keep coming to God in prayer is that we actually, if you just listen to your prayers and if you've been around the church a long time, you know I, I talk about this. Uh, if you listen to your prayers, a lot of our prayers that we pray, they're so general and generic that, that we don't even know if God actually ever says yes or no to our prayers. And I really think as Christians, we have an obligation and a duty to pray in such a way that we can at least know whether God said yes or no to our prayers. We come to God and we say, I mean, I hate, and now you're going to do it later today. And I'm not trying to like guilt trip you or whatever, because I, 
I do it too. I try not to. But we're going to come to God and we're going to say, God, bless that person and be with so-and-so. Have you ever like prayed for somebody who's traveling? That comes up in small groups, speaking of small groups earlier in our service. And somebody's like, I'm traveling. We go, oh God, just give them traveling mercies. Have you ever said that? What in the world do you actually mean when you say that? Do you mean anything? And do you know if God says yes or no to that prayer when the trip is over? I, I mean, I think that we should pray more specifically, like, God, keep them alive, you know? Like, like so that we at least know when they come back, like, hey, God, you know, that was a yes, thank you. They're, they're still living, the plane didn't crash, all of those things. And so I think, let me, just, let me just summarize, because I'm pulling from other places when I say some of that. We should pray in a bothersome way because we keep coming to God we should pray in an, an intense way that feels, you know, weighty. And we should pray in a way that we know whether God says yes or no because we're praying specific prayers. I think those three things could radically change, radically change your prayer life. It's so much better to say, God, do this specific thing and to know whether God said yes or no than to just say, oh, whatever, God, I'm supposed to pray today. Uh, the story continues in Luke 18, 6 through 8. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you that he will, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Chosen ones refers to Christians. And the point here is clear, right? Those who pray bothersome prayers can trust that God will answer those prayers in a way that is good for them. I think it's really important that we bring up Romans 8.28 here. And I've quoted this almost every week, I feel like, in this sermon series. But it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And often when I say that verse in sermons, when I share that verse with people that are struggling... I actually pull it out of context, uh, which is not a good thing to do when you're reading scripture. But in this case, the principle applies across the board. Uh, but, but what we kind of forget is that it's actually within the context of prayer. And if you just looked right before it, you would see Paul writing about how we often don't know what to pray. And so the spirit guides us in our prayers. He gives us groans in our prayers. And then Paul immediately after that is, is he goes, hey, you don't know what to pray. God's going to help you in your prayers. He goes, but trust this. In all things, no matter how God responds to those prayers, you can know that he is working it for your good. He's going to give you justice and he's going to do it quickly. We need to be persistent and we need to persevere in our prayers because, because God says, look, if you will, then trust that I'm gonna bring the justice that maybe you don't deserve but that I offer you through a relationship with you. Now, remember I said this would connect with faith. I said that at the beginning. And uh, you're going, wait, what, what does this have to do with faith? And here's, here's where it comes in, Luke 18, 8. However, however, it's bad. This is bad, right? Because that's like such a good thing. You don't want a however after a good thing. You want a however after a bad thing normally. But, but a however after a good thing is no good. However, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? So here's the deal. This is the, the big context here of this. Is, is Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to return at some point. 
All right, so continue to live faithfully. And then he's, he offers us this parable right in the middle to, to say this thing that I've already said to you. Perseverant prayer is, is key. It's absolutely essential to unfailing faith and unfailing faith is key to persevering and persistent prayer, right? And so he drops this on us right here. But at the end of this, he gives us almost this negative thing like, but, but will there be people once I ascend into heaven? This is what Jesus is asking. Will there be people on earth who have the unfailing faith to be persistent in prayer? What's sad about it is that the answer almost is implied no. Uh, Based on the language here, the answer is not many. But for me, I love that because I love a challenge. Uh, For me, I I think that that just inspires me. And maybe Jesus did it that way intentionally for people like me. He's like calling into question whether or not anybody's gonna be left that has the faith and the guts to continue to be persistent in prayer when it's hard. And for somebody wired like me, it makes me wanna get on my knees and say, you know what, I'll be the guy. I'll be persistent in faith even if nobody else is going to be. And I think this question hangs in the air for all of us to examine ourselves. I think it's not there so much so that we can say, you know what, will there be people? Are there people or anything like that? The question hangs in the air for us to ask the question, do I have faith enough to be persistent in prayer? And as we face all the things that we're facing right now, as we face all of the crap that's going on in the world, I think we need to ask ourselves the question, do I have a faith, do I have an unfailing faith that leads to persistent prayer? And we need to, if we answer that question, we know that we say, then we go, hey, we don't just give up or give in or stop. We go, you know what? I'm gonna work on developing a persistent prayer life in order that my faith can become more unfailing. Let me just say it again. Persistent, perseverant prayer is key to unfailing faith. And unfailing faith is key to persistent prayer. So, so look, two things as we finish this. One, if you're failing to be persistent in your prayer, then just recognize. It's not like the end of the world. It's not a bad thing that maybe your faith isn't where it should be. And you need to start to ask yourself, do I really believe that God, that God is real? Ask that question. Hopefully you'll say yes to that question. But also, do I believe in the promises that God has left me to do good things for me, to work for my good, all of that? Do I really believe that? And if you say no, then I would just say, start praying persistently. Be tough enough to pray. And I believe that will lead to a a more sturdy and strong faith. Persistent prayer is key to unfailing faith, and unfailing faith is key to persistent prayer. Let me pray that that will be true for you in your life. Lord, I, I know, Lord, that, that I think where my prayer life stops is kind of where my faith runs out oftentimes. And so I see the truth of this parable I, uh, clearly in my own soul, and my own actions even, God. Uh, I want to pray for me and for, for those watching online, God. I want to pray for... Uh, for those people sitting in front of me right now, and I, I just would pray that we would have an unfailing faith, first of all, God. No matter what comes our way, no matter what we face, I pray that, that we would believe in you, God, 
uh, not just in your existence, God, but in your promises and in your grace and in your love and the way that you view us, Lord. But I also want to pray, God, just that we would be a people, a church of persistent prayer, God, that we would not take no for an answer until the candy bar is gone, until there is no way that you can possibly say yes. I pray that we would pray for people's salvations until the day that they die, God, that we would never give up and we would always hope in you, Lord, that you were going to that you were going to do what we ask. But I also pray, God, as we hope that you will do what we ask, that we would trust that you would do what is best for us, Lord. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.